This is Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. Appalachian Vibes is a show dedicated to challenging the expectations and celebrating the diversity of music and art created in and around Appalachia. Appalachian Vibes is brought to you by Galax Tourism. It's New Year's Eve, and this week we take a look back through 2022 to some of my favorite interviews from the year. From the Blush and Roulettes, an Appalachian swing duo who got their start on a farm in Mendocino, California, to Dr. Bacon, an Appalachian grass six-piece from Asheville, North Carolina, down to Atlanta with small reactions, then up to Forest, Virginia with Carly Rae, and finally to St. Louis with the Hooten Hollers. That's the next hour on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. My first guests are the Blush and Roulettes, a husband and wife Appalachian swing duo who got their start in Mendocino, California, and eventually made their way to the hills of North Carolina. They describe their sound as sultry, smoky, swing and twang. I lived with friends who were actually in a circus, and Cass ran his family's farm called Old Mill Farm out there. You know, this is a really small town out there. And um, so everybody sort of met in the, you know, the ways that country folk meet. And we there was a 4th of July parade and we put on a float that involved pigs and wigs. And <laughs> that was how we met. We had some some really interesting experiences at, at my family's farm in, in Northern Cal, in Mendocino. Um, that went on for quite a while. My mom's first husband, uh, Chuck Hinch, who had remained on that farm after they divorced until he passed away in a tractor accident on the farm in 2000, which is back to what Angie was sort of alluding to earlier. That's how I ended up on the farm and, and working there, managing it. There were a lot of very uh, strange incidents during my time there that um you know many of us felt like like chuck was still floating around and and kind of being mischievous in different ways over the years i had a lot of my dear friends live and work on the farm and chuck was this eccentric person he had this great library of literature in his home and the the main farmhouse which was this old house and by the way this land had been settled in the late 1800s by two finnish immigrants and and their families you know i don't know how many dozen kids they had out there but uh super remote even by today's standards and chuck had this beautiful farmhouse that he built over the years and great library and at one point my friend charlie dalton who was living at the farm at the time he was living in the farmhouse and he was up at night uh reading in bed and a book just fell off of the bookshelf and opened up um, to a page where there was like a handwritten note in it um, that Chuck had written. And I can't remember right now what the note was, but it was something about relationships. And um, that was, you know, pretty unusual. It wasn't an earthquake or anything that caused a book to fall off of the shelf. So stuff like that, you know. And you also used to say when we would come home after being away for a weekend, you would say like, it smells like Chuck when we got back to the house after not having Mm -hmm. been there for a while. Does your family still own that farm? 
They do. Yeah, that we'll be staying there when we head to California next week. Yeah, there's so much interesting history at, at Old Mill Farm. That just kind of reminds me of a song that Angie and I wrote together called The Legend of Easter Lightning. And oh, yeah. About the time that I was born, um, Chuck had uh, Belgian draft horses. He, he used to horse farm. And he had a, two sisters named Rosie and Tilly. And one of them had a colt. It was bred and had a colt that grew up on the farm. And, and it was he was born um, on Easter. Uh, and he had the Belgians are these these beautiful sort of honey colored big horses with, um, you know, white, white hair around their feet and big white manes. And Easter had this white lightning stripe down his nose. So they named him Easter Lightning. And uh, while he was still a young horse, one night he was kind of he was kind of a free roamer um, and he discovered by by falling into an old well, an old hand dug well that had been abandoned and covered up with boards and then grass and everything had grown up over it and had been there for a long time and nobody knew about it. And he fell into it and um, it became this huge ordeal to get him out. And they ended up bringing in the tow truck out from town and a couple of and guys. They, they didn't have a phone. There and was, was no just phones, like 20 no minutes on a dirt road from town. So like someone had to drive to town to call someone to, to bring, bring help. help. Ended up lowering somebody down into the well and getting a rope around his neck and then pulling him out with the tow truck. He was like unscathed, basically. And he went on to live until the ripe old age of 34. And when I came to the farm, he was there roaming literally free ranging around the farm like not in a in an enclosure in a pen in a field or anything and you know i got to take care of him and sort of be his steward for the last years of his life and it was really rewarding i would hitch him up occasionally and just walk him up and down you know the road because he likes to be he really liked it was a working animal and he, that they had they do enjoy that you know we we had to put easter down at the end of his life 34 years old and he was buried at the farm and so angie and i wrote this song called the legend of easter lightning basically tells that story in song form this is blush and roulette's latest single nine to five nine a.m in my 10 cent shoes
as simple as that It's a matter of fact I can stock your shelf in time and a half That was the Blush and Roulettes with 9 to 5. You can learn more about the Blush and Roulettes at blushandroulettes.com. My next guest is Dr. Bacon, the Appalachian funk, grass, and rock and roll six-piece from Asheville, North Carolina. I chat with Miles Dunder, saxophone player, guitarist, and singer for Dr. Bacon. I'd love to hear about the song Pancakes. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Pancakes. (laughs) I love this song. Okay, first of all, who wrote it? This is Jesse. Okay, Jesse. Um, I think that the music came together together as a group. This is one of the first tunes that we wrote as a band, like like in terms of constructing it. Uh, he he wrote these lyrics very very quickly. That they 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 came out of him. I'm I'm sure it's like, uh, kind of like the Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin said that like the devil gave them Stairway to Heaven or something like that. And Coolio says that like he went into a trance when he wrote Gangster's Paradise, where he, his eyes just rolled back in his head and he, he just kind of the words scribbled out of his hand naturally. Uh, this 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 very much just came together in a basement in Boone after a night at the bar, and there is a bluegrass standard that we had heard that was like Mama's not dead, she's only asleep. Or something like that and that turned into does your mama like pancakes in the morning pretty quickly um 
and according to Jesse, it is based on true story. A friend of his did have a very attractive mother and he came of age kind of learning what kind of dynamic that can create in a friendship and how that can get complicated. But at the end of the song, he makes you think that he got with, you know, that he got with his mom. I don't know if that actually happened, but it's definitely more fun in the song if it does. I was like, oh, did he actually? Uh, that was my number one. But he's going to treat her right, though. That's the important part. That's right. What kind of pancakes you like? <laughs> Let me ask your son real quick. I like blueberry pancakes and banana pancakes the best personally. But that's always up to up to individual opinion. <laughs> that's yeah, that song is hilarious. I um I really dig that one. We always kind of saw it as our as our Stacy's mom. <laughs> Does your mama like pancakes in the morning? Cause I'm staying here tonight. Blueberries or chocolate, I'll put on them. I just wanna treat her right. First time I seen her looking fine Never could put my finger on it And I knew I just want to make her mine So does your mama like pancakes in the morning Cause I'm staying here tonight Blueberries or chocolate I'll put on them And I just want to treat her
so she could watch me sweat and watch me burn. Well, I guess it's how it all got started. She's the one for me, and that's for sure. So does your mama like pancakes in the morning? Cause I'm staying here tonight. Blueberries or chocolate, I'll put on them. That was Pancakes by Dr. Bacon. You can learn more about Dr. Bacon at drbaconband.com. Up next, we take a trip to my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, to speak with Small Reactions, a New Age Soul Exotica-inspired four-piece. That's next on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. You're listening to Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. My guests are Small Reactions, an Atlanta, Georgia-based quartet who describe their sound as nerve pop, or New Age Soul, with sparse instrumentation focusing on guitar, bass, vintage organ, and drums. They take the listener on a sonic journey with ease. Suffer my heart. Uh. Suffer My Heart was, that one's, I, I think that one is a little bit older, if I remember correctly. And that, that's another one of those songs where it's just kind of like a, um, uh, a bit of like a movie, like movie sort of just playing in my head where you have, you know, a couple of characters, like one person is trying to take care of another person as they're maybe doing some stuff that's not so good for them. And, uh, yeah, just kind of, it, it un- unfurls from, from there. Um, can you, yeah. can you remember? I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, can you remember any of your favorite lyrics from that? I like that, that line itself, suffer my heart. That's a really beautiful line. Yeah. It, it's, it sounds sort of like, uh, like old poetry or something it's a weird way of saying it and it sounds super dramatic i guess when you just say say it out loud suffer my heart um it's kind of it's kind of funny in that way uh but um i i don't know i my i know that playing it live um my favorite um my my favorite part and the line that always sticks out to me is um later on in the song where you know i'm singing the line suffer my heart and then there's uh background vocals are you know saying with drugs in the dark because um, mm. it it changes from from what the other uh from what the other choruses of uh, that line are in the song and that's the the drums change at that part too um uh, as it's one of my favorite parts in the song i i think with that song too what we all kind of noticed about it is that it's, it's got a really nice cinematic quality to it. Or it's, it's nice. is probably not a good word. Cause it's a, it's a quite a dark song. Um, but it is like, it's cinematic in that it, it draws a, you know, it creates a picture and um, kind of has a, a bit of a loose narrative. And I remember Chad came to practice one day and was like, you know, Scotty, what is the song about? It's like, it's kind of hitting me. Like it's, it's, you know, pretty powerful and, and kind of moving. And Scotty's like, that's, it's imagined, but 
you know, it's a very specific scene. So um, yes. I think we all kind of liked it for, for that reason, I think. Scenes, scenes and feelings and, and vibes. That's about all. <laughs> That's all, all it is. Can you tell me what the scene is or in your imagination? What are you seeing? Um, two people. And uh, I don't know. I always think there's something European about it. I don't know why. I guess there's a reference to Holland in, in the song. Um, so, yes, two European people. <laughs> that combined with like, um, it's, you think about songs as like night songs or, and, and day songs. This is definitely like a night. It's definitely a night kind of song. Um, and yeah, like I get, just get the sense from it that there's like one person doing things that aren't good for them. And the other person is trying to address that and keep oh, it from okay. happening, I guess. Yeah. For me, it's a, it's, probably my favorite song on the record and just the overall theme of loss, you know, and I think in 2020, like I lost a lot of people and a lot of things happened to me at the, at the beginning of the year, just like everyone else. But um, like before the, before the world shut down the week before the world shut down, I had a friend that, um, that took their own life and my, my brother-in-law died in the same week. And then the next week, everything was shut down. And so 2020 was, big you know for everybody and i think just when i heard that song the you know the 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 suffer my heart song it's just a general feeling of loss and like scotty said kind of vibes and and the feel i don't typically listen to lyrics in depth but you know you pick up on certain things and those certain things can speak to you and that that particular song and those themes in that song spoke to me um at a time i don't know kind of when i really needed it and i just I still love that song and listen to it, even though we play it, you know, we play it every show, but I still listen to it on my own. Just, I think it's, it's, uh, sorry, sorry guys. I'm going to gush. There aren't many perfect songs, but I think that song is like a perfect song. It's just got all the right things to it for me that hit for me. What, what makes a perfect song for Chad? Oh gosh. I don't know. It's, it's got to have feel. Mm-hmm. It's got to have a great arrangement. It's got to have great playing. Uh, and I don't mean great as in like technical. I just mean great. For me, like great is playing to the best of your ability or playing to your strengths um, or to your weaknesses. So, and I think this song does that for small reactions. I'm so sorry to hear Perfect. about your, um, to hear about your friend and your brother-in-law. Yeah, that sucks, yeah, man. It was, uh, it was a it was a really shitty time, <laughs> and then you know, and then I lost uh, I lost my job that year, you know, with with music mm-hmm. and arts, and so yeah. Well, yeah. Amanda, to add insult to injury, Chad and his family like went to you know the beach as like a memorial to uh, his brother in law, and they all caught COVID on the way home. <laughs> So, that's like something that legitimate that's like real life that like actually happened they all caught covid on the way home that's right batting 100 <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> 2020 the year that kept on giving <laughs>
that was Suffer My Heart from Small Reactions. You can listen to more from the Small Reactions on Spotify. My next guest is Forrest Virginia's Carly Rae, a country soul-inspired singer-songwriter. This interview was recorded at Fainting Goat Studio in Bedford, Virginia. My name's Carly Rae, and I am the front woman of the Carly Rae Band. Uh, I play the, the rhythm guitar, acoustic and electric. Um, every now and then I'll do a solo, I guess, but then I lead vocals and everything like that. And then I also do harmonies when I let other members in my band sing, and I don't know, sometimes I pick up bass. It's, you know, <laughs> it's all over the place. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up about 20 minutes down the road from here in New London, so not very far away. New London, Virginia? Uh, New London, uh, it, <laughs> it's not the New London some people think it is, because there is a New London, Virginia, but this is like New London Road. But everybody just says New London when they're from around here because it's like its own little area. But I technically live in Forest, Virginia. Okay. But New London's like its own little land. Is it like a holler? In a sense, I guess. No. You're like, no. It's not really a holler, but like it's just a road and a lot of my family lives on it. A lot of my family lives on it. Like for how long? Oh, Gosh, my great-grandpa bought the land, I think, and all his kids were born and raised there. There's The, the house is still standing, and uh, then some of the siblings stayed on the land, some didn't. So my Uncle Raymond lives in the back in a house he owns, and then our house, and then my Nana and Papa, and then his house, the the house that they were born and raised in that my uncle actually lives in, my Aunt Joyce, a house that my other uncle owns, another house he owns. My uncle used to have cousins that lived down here. I have a cousin across the street and through the woods. Yeah. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's a very small town. <laughs> it's a whole town? It's it's like it's a very small town. <laughs> very small town like we all live right up on each other. We always joke about it, too. Like, we always call my grandparents the local store. Because all we got to do is yell across here, y'all got sugar? And they're like, yeah, we got some. And then we send my little brother on a run. <laughs> so right across the yard. <laughs> do you guys, um, do you guys have, like, a music community in this, in this area? Or, like, how did you learn how to well, play music? I spent a lot of time growing up with my nanny on my mom's side. Um, like my best friend in the whole entire world. I love my grandma so much. I really don't know what I'd do without her. Um, but she was always a big influence because she always took me to church and stuff. And she used to lead the congregation and whatnot in church. And I used to just remember, like, I didn't want to go to Sunday school because I wanted to watch my nanny sing. Like, I got to watch my nanny sing. And so then I got up the nerve, and I'd be like, Nanny, can I go sing with you? Can I go stand with you while you sing? And she'd be like, yeah, you can come up there and stand with me, but you got to be really quiet. So I'd stand up there, and I'd just hold on to her skirt and dance, and I'd be as quiet as I could. Um, so I just remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, she's such a superstar. Like, I want to do that. And so then uh, I hit about 12, and... My parents finally like kind of took me seriously on me really wanting to play music. They were like, okay, she's she's old enough now to really know that this is something she wants to invest in. So I started playing, and then I started playing in church, and 
Then I started playing in bars, <laughs> and then I started playing in less crappy bars, <laughs> and now I play some pretty decent places that I actually really enjoy my job. I love my job. I don't really feel like I'm paying dues all the time. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I really am, am finding the enjoyment in, in being a business owner, like running a business, and it's very difficult, but I'm learning, <laughs> and I'm learning to love it, too. I chose a hard road. <laughs> For, yeah, I was a young kid. So, how old were you when you decided like this is exactly what I'm gonna do? Oh, I always wanted to be a performer of some sort. Okay. Always, when I wasn't singing, I did theater for years okay. and years and years. I was, I don't mean to brag on little kid me, but little kid me was great at theater. Okay, little Carly Ray was awesome at some theater. Um, I loved it. It was just like you know, anytime I could be up in front of somebody, I always have something to say. I just don't always have somebody to say it to. You know, <laughs> so if somebody will listen, I'll, I'll go for it. Um, <laughs> you know, all that to be said, you know, uh, I acted for years and years and then I just kind of took over with music seriously when I turned 12. And then I really started gigging when I was like 15. So, I mean, like being in bars that young mm-hmm. definitely like shapes you as a person. <laughs> Yeah, so the, I I also started performing out when I was I think I was fourteen when I played like my first bar gig, yeah. and I personally encountered like a lot of weird older men like hitting on me. Did that happen to you? Oh my god, all the time! I remember this one time me and my dad were in Chuggalugs off of Twenty Nine, and uh, <laughs> we were in there and there was this guy and he was probably like late thirties and I was, you know, like 15, you know, way too young. Yeah. And he had like a two year old daughter. And so he was, he ended up somehow sitting at our table because it was packed in there that night. And like there, it was just standing room. So he was just kind of crashing there for a second, which was no big deal. But then he started being weird and he asked if me and my dad were married and my dad was like, no, that's my daughter. And then so he was basically like, oh, so she's single. (laughs) And so my dad was like, what? Like, no. So then my dad basically like threatened to kick the dude's tail and then uh, they went outside and my dad basically got some moonshine off of the guy and all was well and the dude left. Yeah. So was he like, she's 15, He sir. did not care. He did Are you not kidding? care. Oh, no. Oh, he did not care. Did Had you already played at that point? Yeah. Oh, see, you you set a spell on him. He's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. But it didn't matter even, even beforehand. Oh. Yeah. It was weird. It was very odd. Man. That was when it all came to like a head that night. That's like the main event. But there was like other things that night that happened. Oh, that's not even, that's like one example of how many. Oh, God. Out of how many? Oh, my gosh. Give it Most of my shows. I've had, I've pepper sprayed dudes at my shows before. Yeah, that was a really bad night. What happened? He touched me and my friend. Like so, he grabbed you? Yeah, and I had my keys in my back pocket and he didn't know it. And I got pepper spray, so I just, I put my arm like this, like up on his throat and just put him to the wall and laid him out, gave him a come to Jesus meeting there in the middle of the bar with my pink pepper spray held out. And I was like, I'm, I I mean, like I threatened him. I said words. I said a lot of words. Yeah. 
And then his friend and him apologized and left because his one friend that was with him wasn't like near his tour up, and he knew that like what the guy was doing was wrong, so he was like stepping in too. But I, I got a hold to him first. <laughs> That's that country in you. <laughs> Just turn around, don't mess around. I'm my mother's daughter, and my mama don't play. Yeah, yeah, my mama don't play. No, okay. <laughs> Did she teach you like? You do what you're told when you're told to do it. Mm. There shouldn't be questions asked. Mm. Why are you sitting? Why are you sitting down? Come on. Get yeah. up. Yeah. Work. Very much pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Work. Work, work, work. Yeah. Use up your day. You know, my parents are very like work oriented people, which would explain why I started running a business at 15. <laughs> How old are you now? I'm 19. I'll be 20. Oh, my God. Uh, October. So my birthday 19? month is coming up. So. Oh, bless your heart. I'm a baby. I, I, you could be anywhere between, like, you know, I can never tell. There's, like, a 10-year span <laughs> where I have no idea. My age is usually not guessed correctly by most people. I don't understand it, though, but I don't know. A lot of people assume I'm older. Yeah. I don't really understand that. I think it's just because I've always hung around people that were older. Maybe than me. people who are older just assume that other people are older. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe. They're like, no, I can't be that old. Yeah, but I've <laughs> also like, never young. had friends within my age group. It's yeah. always been people that were older than me. Because my siblings, too, like my oldest brother's 10 years older than me. And then my sister is, oh, how much older? Six or seven years, something like uh, that. So you're the baby. No, I'm the middle. Oh. I'm one of six. One of six? So it's Zach and Haley and Drake and then me and then Ashton and then Caden. And the ages are 30, almost 30 years old, 20-something years old, 21 years old, 19 years old, almost 20, nine years old, and then eight years old, almost nine years old. Wow. Yeah. Do you still live at home? Yeah. It's wild. Really? Yeah. It's wild? Like, well, like my, because you I live around have, so many people? I only have one uh, sibling that lives with me right now. Uh, my little brother, Caden, my youngest brother. And, like, he's my sidekick on most days, but, oh, my God. <sighs> he's also, like, the biggest thorn in my side. But I love him. I wouldn't change him for nothing. He's the best. He's he's a cool little kid, and I think like I'm really learning to like him. <laughs> I really am. I'm really learning to like him. I'm not gonna lie, because now he's kind of like turning into like a miniature version of me. Like when we went back to school shopping, everything he picked out, I would totally wear. I would totally wear it. He was just, I don't know. I think he's just kind of becoming his own little self, and I guess he just likes the way I am. It makes me feel good that he looks up to me and stuff. So. Oh, man, that's awesome. He's the best. You did once upon a time I'm just a fool I ain't nothing but a fool I 
That was I'm Just a Fool by Carly Rae. You can learn more about Carly Rae on all the social media platforms. Up next, it's the Hooten Hollers, a St. Louis pre-war jazz-inspired rock trio. That's next on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. This is Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. My next guests are the Hooten Hollers, a three-piece amalgamation of influences from pre-war jazz to Chicago blues, with New Orleans sax and garage rock explorations with hints of punk. Let's talk about Heal It first. Heal It's off the new album. What's the new album called? The new album is called Back in Business Again, and Heal It is sort of a feel-good song. Um, and you, uh, you wrote the lyrics to it. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I uh, first started thinking about uh, this sort of refrain, no one's going to heal it for you when you got a broken heart. Uh, kind of after I quit drinking, I had a complicated relationship with alcohol. And uh, this is one of many thoughts that kind of came out of that. And then it took a couple of years for us to kind of turn it into a song together. But um, it's almost like the most a Disney Hootenhaller song <laughs> ever, ever created. Uh, it's not, it didn't come from a place of feeling happy, but it came out with this sort of happy go lucky feeling uh, in the performance and in the, in the song and in the arrangement. And I kind of really like that uh, juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, it's one of my favorite things is con- contrasting very dark lyrics with something very bright and happy. So how did, um, as you went through your uh, complicated relationship with alcohol, (laughs) how did you, how did you come out of that? How long did it take you? And, and where did those, where did that take you? Um, Well, it's probably the best decision I've ever made uh seeing it now at first as a musician on the road it's kind of like one of the perks uh that you are applied with a, it's a, a few of your payment it's really. kind of part of the pay yeah um that you are applied with uh some stuff that will make it easy for you to get up on stage and like talk to people you don't know none of which i'm very confident about really in real life um but yeah it was kind of tough at first but it's uh, been great for, you know, my relationship with the band and how we all interact on a daily basis on the road. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't know really where I'm going with that. It's kind of a weird thing to talk about on the radio. Sorry. No, no, it's not actually. And, and it's a, a very common thing that's actually talked about on this show. I think that way, way more musicians and people go through that, uh, go through addiction or a complicated relationship to a substance or a person. Um, and then that's where, that's where songs are born. Our songs always born from this place of, you know, like pure, pure happiness in life. Sometimes I haven't written any, not, not one actually. So it seems everything kind of comes from this 
this dark place um, or what can be a challenging place to be, maybe not dark. Did you have a, a renaissance of creativity as you became sober? Yeah, in some ways, not all, uh, not all musical, but um, you know, I generally like to make things, whether it be uh, physical or, or musical or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, a little bit. And I think that after that happened, and this probably isn't the only reason it happened, but we all started writing and working together in a new way. And I think have made have created some of the best stuff yet uh, as a result of that. Um, it's not all about uh, me not having the sauce running through me anymore, but uh, it seemed like it helped me. And, uh, you know, I think it can help anybody who gives it a chance, honestly. The longer you do it and the longer that you're in this scene, which basically is extremely uh, alcohol centric. It's like you're either going to get sober or you're going <laughs> to burn out eventually. Like you just can't do it forever. And the way that like a lot of uh, the way that a lot of musicians treat their bodies, I guess, is not something that can last for long term. Uh, last in the long term and it's like we're here for the long term so yeah we're trying to be around a while <laughs> i'm also going to put in a uh, vote for uh, there are possibilities of uh moderating which i i at least feel like i have a a good grasp on at this time so yeah you do actually <laughs> she's like i vote for moderation <laughs> I love moderation. It's extreme. If we can do moderation, that's great. Some, you know, um, for me, there is one substance where I absolutely cannot moderate, you know? So, and, and what is it with, I don't understand what that attachment is or why I also vote for moderation, although it's not always possible for yeah. some. You got to know yourself. Right. Exactly. Uh, what is, um, what does heal it mean to you, Kelly? Is there anything to you that this, this makes you think of or when you're performing or, or as you're putting yourself through this song? I thought the feel of the song was a great chance to add some of my jazz flu influences in. So um, <laughs> we, we, made some extra arrangements and added in John's cousin playing trumpet. And I played some clarinet on that as well. And so it was a really nice platform for us to be able to mix musical styles. So that's one of my favorite things about the song. It's kind of got this like New Orleans vibe, but that as Kelly kind of taught us all a while ago that that vibe is also very St. Louis and it's kind of, it's a river thing and there's a lot of other cities that are on that river that were experiencing a lot of that same music at the same time. Uh, so it's like maybe more than New Orleans vibes, we got riverboat vibes. <laughs> Big St. Louis vibes. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one's gonna heal it for you when you got a broken heart. Yeah, no one's gonna heal it for you, but you knew that from the start. Face, but we just don't 
So you gotta do the best that you can Don't waste your time staring at the hourglass Living with your head in the sand Oh, there's lots of people in this great big world Waiting on a friend like you You gotta pick yourself up and brush yourself off Cause you're waiting on somebody too Wow, no one's gonna heal it for you That was Heal It from the Hooten Hollers. You can learn more about the Hooten Hollers at thehootenhollers.com. Thank you to my guests throughout 2022. Thank you to WNCW for hosting Appalachian Vibes. And a special thanks to you, the listener, for joining me live on air, online at AppalachianVibes.net, or on your favorite podcasting platform. Your support truly means the world to me and the artists who share their music. And thank you to Galax Tourism for being our sponsor these past few months. Appalachian Vibes is brought to you by Galax Tourism, made possible by Virginia is for Lovers. Galax Tourism, building our future while celebrating our past. You can learn more about Galax at visitgalax.com. You can always reach out to me, Amanda Baki, by emailing me at AppalachianVibes at gmail.com. Lots of love and joy to you in the new year. I'll see y'all Tuesday at 7.51 for an Appalachian Vibes mini-episode on WNCW.